Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. It's just amazing that so many members of Glad Tidings are sharing the gospel even right now, sharing the story of how the Lord Jesus Christ has saved them, touched them. It's exciting to know that the gospel, the story of the love of God is being shared by so many from nine-year-old Ryan and uh, even to elderly folks and uh, pastors and members alike, you know. And uh, yesterday in the Saturday service, we have a testimony of somebody who was in the gym and he shared his story with uh, another gymnast, uh, right, in the, in the gym itself. And uh, so in the school, in the restaurant, in, uh, with guards, with uh, all kinds of people, the story is going out. So I do continue to encourage you to share your story, to share your story. And we will be giving and, uh, the next training very soon so that those of you who have not been trained in this one-minute witness will be able to use this fantastic faith-sharing tool to share your story with others. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, we are uh, touching on the theme of unstoppable love, and uh, we have shared about the love of God. And in the first session, I shared with you about the Father's love. The love of God reaches out to us because He wants to have fellowship with us more than anything else. God wants to have fellowship with His people, and that's why He loves us so. And last week, we talked about God's redeeming love. The love of God reaches out to us for what purpose? All right, He loves us not just because it was His nature, His characteristic to love us, but His love reaches out to us in order that He may purchase us, redeem us, and He paid the price even for that redemption. This morning, I'd like to share on God's healing love. Everybody say, God's healing love. God's love not only redeems, but God's love heals. And that's a very, very important part of the love of God. His love heals. More than anything, more than any medicine, more than any therapy, you find that the thing that really brings healing in our life is the love of God. The love of God brings healing in our lives. My text is taken from Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, but I'll read to you just verse 40 and 41. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Wow. Just two verses and it's power packed. Every word, every sentence here in this passage is filled with power. This is just the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark introduced Jesus Christ into the scene 
And the Bible tells us that he went about healing all kinds of diseases, casting out demons. And there was the healing of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And that set the scene to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Crowds began to follow him. So much so that Jesus retreated outside of the city. He went to another place. And as he was entering the city, he met this man, a leper, who rushed to him on knowing that Jesus was there and begged him for healing. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He redeems and he heals the unlovable, the untouch untouchable, and the unreachable. His love is always reaching out. The first thing we notice here is God's will is not determined by my desire. God's will, whether it be in healing or in any other areas of our life, is not determined by my desire. Why do we say that? Bible says, this man came to Jesus Christ and he said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you will, make me clean. Now this man knew that Jesus can heal him. You can make me clean. He knew that Jesus can heal him. But what he didn't know is if Jesus was willing to heal him. There is the power of God, the ability of God and there is the willingness of God. And that's the thing that we always wrestle with, isn't it? We know that God can do anything and everything. But in my situation, in your situation, will He do it? If you are willing, if it's not a question of doubt. If it's a question of willingness. If here is not a question of doubt, but rather there is a condition attached to it. If you are willing, O oh Lord. And that's the simple approach of this man. He has a great need. He's a leper. He's an outcast. But he came to Jesus Christ knowing that Jesus has power to heal. Perhaps he has heard about what Jesus has done. But he came to Jesus Christ not demanding at all. You can heal me, yes, Lord. If you are willing. He did not come demanding Jesus Christ. Heal me. Many times we come to Jesus, we come to God with all our list of demands. And if God doesn't do what we want and what we desire, we are disappointed and worse still, we get mad at God. Apala God, 
You are all powerful. This simple thing you cannot do for me, man. And some walk away from God because of that. If you are willing. Just because I want it doesn't mean God wills it. What I will is not always what He wants and what I want is not always what He wills. You get that or not? Think about it again. What I will is not always what He wants and what I want is not always what He wills. And that's where we struggle. What we want may be a good thing, but it may not be the will of God. The Bible did say that God will grant us the desires of our heart. And holding on to that verse, we think that we can desire for anything and God will grant it. But there is always a condition, if you are willing, oh God, there is always the will of God, not just the desires of His children, but the will of God. And so, if you desire for somebody else's wife, you think God will grant it? No way. That's not God, in God's will. <coughs> if you will for somebody else's husband, you think God will grant it? No, it's not in accordance with His will. It's the flesh already. If you will for a big bungalow, or if you desire for a big bungalow, and you don't have the money, and you have to take massive loan, and you have to take on two jobs. And you do not spend time with your family, and you lose our time with God. You think God will grant it? It will destroy you. And so we desire for so many things in life. And we come to God thinking that, Lord, you have to grant it. You see, God has power. But He also has the prerogative. Just because He can do it, doesn't mean that He has to. That's where we mess up in our theology. God can do it and He has to do it for me. No, He doesn't have to do it. And so we bargain, we negotiate, we twist the arm of God. You have to do it, oh God. Well, that's why we get disappointed many times. Don't get me wrong, I believe in the favor of God. I believe in the spoken word. We speak out the word of the Lord. At the same time, it is also dependent upon the will of God, not just our desire. So God's will is not determined by my desire, but rather it's based upon the sovereignty of God. Those who mess up in their theology miss out on this big point on the sovereignty of God. What is the sovereignty of God? Sovereignty of God simply means God can do what He wants to do, when He wants to do it, where He wants to do it, and how He wants to do it. 
That's the sovereignty of God. And if we ask, according to our desire, not just according to our desire, but according to the will of God, then you can be sure that it shall be granted. It shall be granted. Anything according to the will of God, He will grant it. But how He does it, when He does it, what He does and all that, that's the sovereignty of God. He will bring it to pass. And so, this man just came and said, if you are willing, you can heal me. In other words, he believed that Jesus can heal him. But he wasn't demanding. He just said, Lord, I leave it in your hands. I leave it entirely in your hands. And that is matured faith. That is matured faith. You have to reach a point where you say, God, I know you can. But will you? Whatever you do, Lord, is, is up to you. I know you can, but Lord, I leave it in your hands. That is matured faith. That is matured love. I love God, not because He always do what I want Him to do. No. Many times He does the things that I do not like, I do not want, but I still love Him. I still love Him because the love of God is greater. Greater than my understanding. And He knows me better. He knows what I need even better than I myself know. Can somebody say amen? And so this man says, if you are willing. I don't want just a good thing. I want a blessed thing. I want the best thing that God has. And it is always the glory thing. And so this man says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the reaction of Jesus shows God's compassion for healing. God's compassion for healing. God is love. But here in this story and in many other references in the scripture, the word here, the word used is more than just love, but it is compassion. Everybody say compassion. Now, that's a very, very powerful word. Compassion. And God is compassion. Psalms 103 verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. The Lord is compassionate. Isaiah 30 verse 18 in the Amplified Bible, Therefore the Lord waits and longs to be gracious to you, and therefore He waits on high to have compassion on you. God is waiting to shower, to flood us, even with His compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who long for Him. God is compassion. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-4. to 4. 
Praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And there are many other verses to show us that God is compassion. And our Lord Jesus Christ is also compassion. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. He was moved with compassion. And that's a powerful statement. Move with compassion. Charles Spurgeon says, if you would sum up the whole character of Christ in reference to ourselves, it might be gathered in this one sentence. He was moved with compassion. You want to know about the nature, the characteristic of Christ? His life, his ministry? Charles Spurgeon says it right. Is gathered in this one sentence. He was moved with compassion. And many times the biblical writers, in writing, in recording the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, constantly use this sentence, move with compassion. And the word compassion is actually a very unique word. It's not found in classical Greek. It's not found in the Septuagint. The Greek, I'm talking about the Greek word for it. In fact, it is a very unique word coined by the biblical writers because all the other words are not sufficient. It's just like the word agape. Agape is not found in classical Greek. It is a unique Christian term. And so likewise with compassion... It is a very unique word coined by the biblical writers to refer to this, to this uh, 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 love that is expressed by our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this compassion? In the Greek is, somebody try to read out with me. Splanchni zomai. Splanchni zomai. It's like splurging, you know, splunge. And, 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 and the pronunciation itself also, I mean, with a lot of gutturals there, splunge needs a mind. And what does it mean? This is a very unique Christian term coined by the writer to refer to Jesus Christ when he was moved with compassion. It refers to the inner parts of a man. The heart, the liver, the lower parts of the abdomen, the intestines. It refers to the stirring of the entire being, a commotion in all the inward parts. In fact, biblical scholars think that this word is too graphic to be used to refer to the compassion of God. 
It's too graphic. And they dislike this word. How can you talk about the compassion of God as a movement of the intestines? Too graphic. It, it, it doesn't befit God. But I, I believe that the biblical writers purposely chose this word. A powerful word to express how Jesus felt when he was moved with compassion. There is a movement of all the internal parts. Perhaps even literally. And he felt it. In his heart, in his liver, in his intestines. Perhaps he felt even the pain inside. It is rooted in his deep love for the people and his sensitivity to their pain. The Latin word is Calm plus passion meaning suffer with. And that's what it is. When Jesus is moved with compassion, he suffered with the people. He felt the pain of this leper. He felt the pain of those who were like sheep without shepherd. He felt it internally. It moved him. And that's the compassion of God. That's how he felt for you in your pain. He feels along with you and he suffers with you. You see, Jesus is not just a medical doctor. A medical doctor sees a patient, asks a few questions, tries to give the diagnosis and after that prescribes certain medicine and bye-bye. When you describe your pain to the doctor, do you think he feels your pain? Yeah, some really compassionate doctors may. Oh, you poor soul. Is it painful here? Is it painful there? Yeah, 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 painful. Oh, you, you poor soul. But most doctors will not. Oh, pain now, okay. Alright, and then you write something, you know. And after that, he just give you medicine. He may not feel with you. There are too many patients. But Jesus is not just a medical doctor. He feels your pain. He suffers with you. In the night when you couldn't sleep, in the night when the pain is throbbing and killing you, He feels that pain even in His inward parts. That's the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd. But thank God, He not only feels compassion, not only feels, but compassion offers healing. Compassion offers healing. And you will see this many times in the Bible. When He was moved with compassion, compassion is not just a feeling, but it is an action. It is always followed by the action of healing. Almost every time, when Jesus was moved with compassion, there is the miracle, either of provision, feeding the hungry, or healing the sick. It's all over in the scriptures. For example, Matthew 14, 14. 
And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them. No full stop there. It's just only a comma. And he healed their sick. Compassion offers healing. Compassion moves towards healing. Matthew 14, 13 to 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. The cross followed him. Jesus landed. He saw a large crowd. He healed. He had compassion on them and healed them. Matthew 20, 30 to 34. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and they received their sight. He healed them. Because God loves, He heals. And He heals out of love. He heals out of love. And that's why when God loves us, He not only loves us and makes us feel good, but rather He had compassion on us and whatever sicknesses we have, whatever pain that we have, He comes and He heals. How does He do it? Luke chapter 5, verse 12 to 15. A similar record of this leper who came to Jesus Christ. There are, new, there are only two cases of Jesus healing lepers. This one, and of course the same record in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. And also the healing of the ten lepers and only one came back to give thanks to him. But in this case here, here is the record. A similar, a same record, you know, by... By, by, by Luke. And it says here, And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand. He put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Now, Luke is a medical doctor. And so many times when he describes healing that takes place, he gives a little bit more detail, whether it be of the sickness or whether it be of the healing itself. In this case here, he gives a little bit more detail about the sickness of this man. That this man not only had leprosy, but he says here, a man who was what? Full of leprosy. What does it mean? Can you picture the scene? The scene? This man was full of leprosy. Now, leprosy is a very dreaded disease. It is a skin disease, yes, but it is a disease of the nerves as well. And when, uh, when you have leprosy, you find that you know, your, your, your skin, your nerves, loses its sensitivity and you cannot feel anything. And then it's a rotting disease. The body begins to rot. So much so that your, your you know, your, 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 your organs you know, and, and your, your digits just begin to drop off. Your hand can just drop off, your ear can just drop off, your nose can just drop off. And so the, 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 the leper will be a person who's disfigured and with a rotten body, the, the, the smell and the stench of it. That's why... In Leviticus 13, talking about leprosy, the person is to be ostracized, put outside the city, isolated. In other words, there's no hope for the person. 
Not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, in every areas. Rejected, ostracized, cast out, no hope. In modern terms, this is called a Hansen's disease. And it is curable nowadays, but in those days, there's no cure. And listen, Luke says, Dr. Luke says he was full of leprosy. In other words, his whole body was covered with leprosy. Can you just imagine? Ah, you know, certain parts of the body may, may have dropped off already. When he says full of leprosy, that means in the advanced stage of leprosy. Stage 4 cancer. Advanced stage of leprosy, fully covered, sores all over. Would you hug such a man? What did Jesus do? Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Not only touched him, the Greek word there is haptomai. That means he caressed him. Not just touch like that, Nani. Touch like that, Nani. No, no, no. He touched him and stroked his back, perhaps. Oh, unclean. Unclean. Jesus become the leper Messiah. Nobody's supposed to even get near a leper. But Jesus touched him, stroked him. That is the healing touch of our master. A touch of compassion. And it means a lot. It means a lot. Yes, there could be the healing power of God flowing through those hands to the body in the supernatural. But even in the natural itself, that means the Lord. And He touched Him. Remember the song, Oh, He touched me. He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. He touched me. He touched me. Jesus touched the untouchable. You see, leprosy was more than a skin disease. Yes, he was wasting away, smelling, rotting. But what he needed is a healing of the heart. Leprosy meant isolation, devastation, loneliness, rejection. But God's compassion reached out and touched him. Mother Teresa says, and you know that she does a lot of work with... Uh, Lepers in India. She says we have drugs for people with diseases like leprosy. But these drugs do not treat the main problem, the disease of being unwanted. The sick and poor suffer even more from rejection than material one. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Outside of the city, the lepers lingered, waiting for their death. Rejected, ostracized by society. This man, full of leprosy, covered with leprosy, 
advanced stage of leprosy. And for many, many years, perhaps nobody got near him, nobody dared to even touch him. But Jesus did. That's the first time in many years that somebody touched him. And there is the power of the touch of Jesus Christ. Jesus could have just spoken the word. He doesn't have to touch him. But Jesus knows the need of this man. Jesus can just speak the word, be clean. He would have been healed. But Jesus knew he needed that touch. God knows you need that touch. Sidney Simon, in his book, Caring, Feeling and Touching, speaks of a skin hunger. Do you know that all of us are born with that skin hunger? And when we die, we are still thirsting, you know, or we are still hungering with that skin hunger. What is this skin hunger? It is a deep-seated need for the touch, the feel, the concrete reality of human contact. There is a hunger in us for touching. That's why uh, uh, no, uh, studies have been done and conducted in one orphanage. In one orphanage, the, the caregiver and the nurses are instructed to carry the baby at least 30 minutes a day. At least 30 minutes a day. There were rejectors, there were uh, those, those who were, uh, who, babies that were dumb in the orphanage. They took and cared for, for all these people. And the instruction is every baby must be carried at least 30 minutes a day. And they discovered that those babies that are carried Attached by the caregiver, you find that they get healed. They get better. They sleep better. But those people, those, those babies, they are just left by themselves without the human touch. They get sick and some even die. That's why all parents know the importance of touching your baby, holding, cuddling your baby because the babies need them. And not only babies need that touch and that hug, but even senior adults need that. Sometimes senior adults, they are left by the, you know, to be by themselves. And for months and years, their children never even touch them. They are not lepers. But, but there is a skin hunger in each one of us. Now, we are talking about the good touch, all right? Last week in the seminar, on wholeness and wellness, there is a good touch and there is a bad touch. So we are talking about the good touch, the touch of love. And every one of us need it. And God's hand reaches out and touches him. That's the love of God. Before any healing takes place, before any healing takes place, this has to happen first. And the leper felt the love of God touching him. Will you dare to step into God's unconditional love? Even before your healing, you know our God is a God of compassion and compassion abounds in healing and there is that touch that He has upon your life. Receive the love of God. 
there are some Christians who come to church who hear about the love of God, but they have never really received the love of God. I pray that you will know in the song that we have sung, God's reckless love. Oh, the love of the Father, the compassion of God reaching out to us. God's healing love is then possible. Finally, we see that this healing is up to God, yes, but it's also up to you. It's up to God, but it's also up to you. You have the power to heal me if you want to, Jesus. And Jesus responded, I want to heal you. Be healed. There are the two parts to read. Your part and God's part. Look at how this man came to Jesus Christ. Just briefly stated, it says, a man with leprosy came to Jesus. The word came, of course, in the English, you come, you come, right? Just come on it. Oh, but in the original, it's like he rushed to Jesus. It's not just a casual walk or just carrying himself, you know, but it was with desperation. He came to Jesus and there's desperation in that coming to Jesus. He heard about Jesus. Hey, Jesus is here, just outside. He rushed to him with whatever strength and ability that he has. And when he reached Jesus, he fell down on his knees and he begged him. You see the posture of this man? He's desperate. He is desperate. He wants healing. And he is respectful of Jesus. He fell down before him on his knees. It's not, uh, if you want to hear me, you can hear me. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, you do the job. Uh. No. He came begging, pleading, imploring. He prostrated himself. He got into that worship position. And that's what moved Jesus. He saw this man coming in this manner. Jesus was moved with compassion. Do you want to move Jesus? Learn to worship Him even when you don't know what He's going to do or how He's going to do it. Come in desperation. It's not just up to God, but it's how you approach Him. And the Bible says, He said, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. There is faith there. There is faith. Jesus is moved by the leper's faith. Our part is just to come in faith to Jesus Christ. And God is always moved when there is the demonstration of faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the response of Jesus is powerful. In the English language, he says, I am willing. But actually, in the Greek, it's only a one word. One powerful word that Jesus said. When the man says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responded with just one word. Fellow, I am willing. I will. 
Oh, what a powerful word, the most powerful word that comes from the mouth of God, the Son of God, who says, I will, I am willing, fellow. Fellow. And immediately, the leprosy left him, he was made clean. Wow. Second Kings 25. This is what the Lord says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will. In Greek, fellow. I will heal you. Oh Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you Heal me. Psalms 30 verse 2. He heals a broken hearted and binds up their wound. Psalms 147 verse 3. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Jeremiah 17 verse 4. And Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17. And there we have again the I will of God. The fellow of God. For I will restore health to you. I will heal your wounds, says the Lord. Have you been living in the shadows of pain, sicknesses, diseases, loneliness? And you're reaching out to God if you are willing, oh God. You can make me whole, you can heal me. Will you, oh Jesus, will you? And the response of Jesus is just one word. Fellow. Fellow. I will. By his wounds we are healed. So today, God wants you to experience the healing love. His healing love. You can experience the healing love of God if you just come in faith and yet leaving everything to God, worshiping Him, praising Him, and knowing that He will answer. The fellows of God, shall we pray?